Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast, where we are dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. This is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and I want to thank everybody for uh, the positive feedback for the bonus episode. I did the other day just because I guess again it's one of my thank you letters for all your support so without further ado this is Terror Radio now the two radio series featured today are another lesser known but still intriguing radio programs the first is entitled the sealed book and the second is the haunting hour now the sealed book was an anthology series that ran from march 8th through september 9th 1945 on the mutual network it was produced and directed by jock yes that's his actual name jock mcgregor and it was hosted by actor philip clark who referred to himself as the keeper of the book. Many of the scripts were written by Robert Arthur Jr. and David Cogan, who also penned several scripts for the popular radio series, The Mysterious Traveler, and they literally recycled several of the stories from that series. One of them being our feature story tonight, Queen of the Cats, which was first broadcasted on August 26th, 1945 now I have to be honest with all of you the sealed book drives me nuts because they have what Wikipedia refers to it as organ breaks but I refer to them as musical interludes that go on forever it's almost like a mini concert and it drives me absolutely insane but I digress so (laughs) you know the drill Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Queen of the Cats. The Sealed Book. Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, which records all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. 
One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a woman who was born with the soul of a cat. A tale titled Queen of the Cats. tale, Queen of the Cats, as it is written in the pages of the sealed book. It is early evening, and in a large, old-fashioned living room, filled with gloomy shadows, young Chris Arnold, his face haggard, sits glowering at his fiancée, Jane Elliott, and the serious-faced doctor whom she has brought to see him. Chris's hand trembles as he tries to light a cigarette while he speaks. I'm sorry Jane made you come all the way out here to see me, Dr. Smith. There's nothing wrong with me. Nothing, I tell you. Oh, Chris, there is. I know it. Yes, Chris, Jane's right. I've known you all my life, and I can see at a glance there's something wrong. Now, why not tell me and and let me see whether I can help you or not? I... All right, I'll, I'll tell you. I've got to tell someone. Jane knows part of the story already. She was in it. But I'll tell it to you from the very beginning which was two years ago at a party to which Jane and I were invited. Oh, Chris, isn't this a wonderful party? The only thing wonderful about it is you. Oh, Chris, don't. People are watching. Oh, a fine thing when a man can't kiss his best girl in public. <laughs> What's this generation coming to? At Miss Tyndall's school, we were taught a young lady never kisses a man in public. Uh, Miss Tyndall is setting romance back 50 years. <laughs> Who are you looking for, anyway? Uh, Rana Farouk, my roommate at Miss Tyndall's. Oh, she's the Egyptian girl you were telling me about. Yes, I want you to meet her. Only you'd better not fall in love with her as every other man does. Mm, sounds as though she's a second Cleopatra. <laughs> Men don't seem to be able to resist her. Really? Mm. Well, I'm curious to see this siren of the Nile. <laughs> there she is, Chris. Come on. So that... That's Rana. No wonder men can't resist her. Hello, Jane. I've missed you. Uh, Rana, this is Chris Arnold. Chris, this is Rana Farouk. Hello, Chris. Hello, Rana. Oh, look, there's Miss Tyndall waving to me. Excuse me, won't you? Of course, Jane. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> you know, Chris, at Miss Tyndall's, the first thing I'd see in the morning when I got up and the last thing before I went to bed was your picture. And I always knew that someday we would meet. Now we have. Why are you staring at me like that? Aren't you going to say anything? I prefer just to look. Even now, Doctor, two years after our first meeting, I find it difficult to describe how beautiful Rana was. 
I was her slave from the moment I saw her. The month after we'd met, we were married. I see. Please go on, Chris. After Ron and I were married, we took an apartment in town. In the months that followed, I began to see Rana not as the image I'd been infatuated with, but as she really was. Vain, selfish, and possessive. Mm. It was a possessiveness verging on madness. She couldn't bear to have me out of her sight. And when I was, upon my return, there'd be questions, countless questions. I began to dread seeing her. And then... Then there were the cats. The cats? Yes. The apartment was always full of cats. She'd sit for hours stroking them, whispering to them, till I felt I'd go mad. And that was when I got the strange idea that Rana wasn't really human at all, but a great cat herself, wearing human form. She and the cat seemed to talk together as if they understood each other perfectly. Life became a nightmare for me. A nightmare full of cats and Rana asking questions, endless questions... One day I realized I couldn't go on living with her any longer, that our marriage had been a mistake. I decided to tell her about it that very evening without waiting any longer. Now come in, Rana. Of course, dear. Rana, there's something important I want to talk to you about. Please, Chris, there's so little time just now. We can talk after the party. But, Rana, this is important. I think that... Darling, the... whatever you have to say can wait. Now, please, hurry. But, uh... Please, well, all right. We'll discuss what I have to say later. Chris, hmm? when I called you at the office this afternoon, why didn't you tell me that you'd had lunch with Mary Walker? Hmm? How did you know I had lunch with her? Oh, a friend told me. A friend? Who was it? What is it, my beauty? What are you trying to tell me? Run up, put that cat down and answer me. Who was the friend that told you I had lunch with Mary Walker? Someone you've never met, darling. How is it you always know what I've been doing? Whom I've been seeing? It's as though you have people spying on me. Chris, what a thing to say. Now, please hurry or we'll be late. There's something strange about the way you always know what I've been doing. Sometimes I suspect... Chris, look out! You stepped on Sabina's tail. Well, if there weren't so many cats underfoot, I wouldn't have stepped on it. Why must you keep five cats around? Because I love cats. Beautiful, sacred. Thousands of years ago, my ancestors worshipped cats. And the great cat goddess, Sakonet. On the river Nile, close by the ancient city of Hamadi, where I was born, are the graves of a hundred thousand sacred cats who have been mummified and buried with reverence. Rana, I can't go on like this anymore. My darling, what do you mean? Our marriage was a mistake. I want a divorce. Chris, you can't be serious. But I am. No, Chris. I love you and I won't give you up. You're mine, darling. You always will be. Nothing shall ever separate us. Cocktails, um... No, thank you. Well, even if you won't have one, Mr. Arnold, I will. Jane! Oh, Jane, it's good to see you again. Can't we go someplace and talk? What about the terrace? All right, Chris. Here, this door opens onto it. Mm -hmm. oh, this is much better. 
been quite some time since we've seen each other, hasn't it? Yes, the last time we saw each other was the night that... The night that I met Rana. Yes. How is Rana, Chris? Oh, she's fine. We... Oh, Jane, I've made such a mess out of everything. I was a fool to have married her. Please, Chris, you mustn't talk like that. I was a fool, Jane, mistaking infatuation for love. Can you ever forgive me for the way I behaved towards you? There's nothing to forgive, Chris. Well, Jane, this is a surprise. Rana. Hello, Rana. Really, Jane, the way you've avoided calling on us, I half suspect you're still in love with Chris. Rana, you have no right to talk to her like that. Please, Chris, uh, I'm afraid I'll have to be leaving. It's getting quite late. Good night. Good night, Jane. I hope I didn't interrupt anything by coming out here so unexpectedly, Chris. Yes, Rana, you did. I was about to tell Jane that I love her and that I always will. Rana, you've got to give me a divorce. I'll never give you a divorce. Never, do you hear? You're mine and you always will be. If I can't have you, no one else will. story continues, as it is written here in the pages of the sealed book. There is horror on Chris Arnold's features as he tells the doctor of his efforts to get his wife, Rana, to divorce him, and of her refusal to let him go. I can still see her, doctor. She stood there, glaring at me. She looked like a cat, a great angry cat. Her green eyes were cold and murderous. Long nails dug into my arm. Body was tense. For a moment, I thought she was going to scratch my eyes out. And she turned and stalked away. Mm. What happened after that night, Chris? I ceased speaking to Rana. We lived in the same apartment, but that was all. Rana waited for me to come around with all the patience of a cat playing with a mouse. But 
When a month had passed and I still refused to talk to her, she made an attempt to win me back. It happened one night as we were driving to this house. Why are you slowing down, Rana? I want to talk to you, Chris, and I can't talk to you while I'm driving. There's no point in your stopping. We have nothing to say to each other. But we do, darling. Chris, we could be so happy together if you wanted to. You know how much I love you. I'd do anything to make you happy, anything. Anything? Then you can give me a divorce. Chris, you haven't any right to treat me like this. I'm your wife. Only in the eyes of the law, not in my eyes. I hate you. I hate you! Oh, you cat! You almost took my eyes out with those claws of yours. I will scratch your eyes out before I let any other woman have you. Your mind and yours will be. Perhaps this will bring you to your senses. <laughs> Slide over. I'll drive. Very well, Chris. You think you've beaten me, Chris. You haven't. In the end, you'll come crawling to me. It may take a year, two years, five years, but I can wait. You have everything planned perfectly, Rana, don't you? But I have one way of escape from you that you never thought of. Really? And what way is that? I can escape through death. Death? Yes, Rana. If I should fail to take the curve a hundred yards ahead, we'd plunge off the side of this mountain. Chris, you wouldn't. Why not, Rana? You've showed me there's nothing to live for. This at least is a clean way out. No, Chris. Chris, don't. No. No. When I drove the car over the side of the mountain, Doctor, I thought Rana and I were going to our deaths. But fate decreed otherwise. When I recovered consciousness 48 hours later in a hospital, I learned it was only Rana who had died. I only had a few bones broken. I was out of the hospital in a month. It was just a week later that I ran into Jane. Oh, Jane! Chris! Oh, Chris, it's you. Jane, you always seem to pop up just when I need you most. These past weeks must have been so difficult for you. Oh, I don't want to look back at the past, Jane, but only to the future. The future I once hoped we'd share, and still do. Two months ago, Doctor, Jane and I became engaged. It was just about that time that I first began to notice that everywhere I went, there always seemed to be a cat following me. Are you sure you weren't imagining it, Chris? Well, at first I thought it was my imagination, but a week after Jane and I became engaged, I was certain I was being followed. Well, tell me, Chris, was it always the same cat that followed you? No. No, one day it'd be one cat and another day a different one. Then one night, I saw her. It happened in this very room six weeks ago. I had great difficulty in falling asleep that night. Suddenly the silence was broken by the faint crying of a cat crying grew louder, louder. I lay in the darkness listening, realizing that the cat crying was real, living, and in my room. I could feel my heart pounding as I sat up in bed and looked about my darkened room. And suddenly I saw her, two burning green eyes in the darkness. 
There was no mistaking those eyes. They were Rana's. I stared into those eyes for what seemed like hours. Then, as though listening to a stranger's voice, I heard myself speak. Rana. It is you, Rana, isn't it? Yes, I'd recognize those green eyes anywhere. So you've come back. In the form I've always thought of you as. A cat. I know why you've come back. It's because of Jane. You always said that if you couldn't have me, no one else would. That I was yours and always would be. Well, you're wrong, dear, here. Jane and I are going to be married. You came between us once, but you aren't going to this time. I will marry her, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. You fiend, try to scratch my eyes out, would you? Well, we'll see about that. Perhaps that'll show you. Nothing you can do will stop me from marrying her. I know that the cats that were following me and spying on me were doing so under your orders. You... You're the queen of the cats. Yes, I should have known. No wonder you always knew where I'd been, who I'd seen. You had cats spying on me even then. Well, even if you are the queen of the cats, you can't stop me from marrying Jane. Perhaps a bullet between those green eyes of yours is what's needed... to continue the story as it is written in the sealed book. His voice shaking, Chris Arnold is telling how he shot at the great black cat which came to him in the night and missed. I emptied the gun at her, Doctor. At Rana in her true form of a great cat. And I turned on the light. There was no sign of her. She'd vanished. All that I found were six bullet holes in the wall opposite my bed. Chris, isn't it possible that you only dreamed all that, that actually you fired the gun in your sleep and the shots themselves wakened you? I tried to tell myself that. But during the nights that followed, I knew it hadn't been a dream. But night after night, the great black cat appeared in my house. I'd lie awake, waiting to hear a voice. And when she'd appear, I'd... 
plead with her to leave me alone, but she'd only stare at me with those burning green eyes, waiting, waiting. I knew she'd never leave me alone as long as I intended to marry Jane. Finally, I went to see Jane. Chris, this is a surprise. Come in, darling. Thank you. Jane, there's something I want to ask you. Yes, Chris, of course. What is it? I know we set our wedding for next week, but couldn't we put it off for a while? Just a little while. Darling, what is it? There's something wrong. I know there is. Please tell me. I wish I could, but I can't. Please, Jane, just have faith in me. You know I wouldn't postpone our marriage if I could possibly help it. All right, Chris. I, I, I do have faith in you. We'll consider our marriage postponed for the time being. The night I put off my marriage to Jane, Doctor, was the first night that Rana didn't appear. And the first night in a week that I was able to sleep. You think, Chris, that she didn't appear again because you had postponed your marriage to Jane? I know it. Weeks went by. Weeks in which I was able to sleep soundly without being awakened by her. I came to think that perhaps it had all been part of a horrible nightmare and that I was over it at last. A week ago, I asked Jane to set the date for our wedding. She did so. And that same day, we took out a marriage license. But that night, Rana appeared again. Her eyes shining in the dark, cold and murderous. And I've seen her every night since. I tell myself that I mustn't be afraid, but I keep hearing her voice over and over... If I can't have you, no one else will. You're mine and you always will be. Oh, Chris, darling, I wish I'd known all this before. You feel, Chris, that somehow she'll prevent you from marrying Jane? You no, know I sound mad, but I do. I have a feeling something horrible will happen if I attempt to marry her. You still have the marriage license? Yes. Why do you ask? Chris, you've reached a crisis in your life. You're faced with fears that are threatening to overwhelm your sanity. Now, the best way for you to challenge your fears is to go through with your marriage to Jane now, tonight. Tonight? Yes. It's quite late, but I'm sure a friend of mine who's a judge will marry you. All right, Doctor. Jane, will you marry me tonight? Oh, yes, Chris. Yes. Sorry to get you up in the middle of the night, Judge, but for reasons I can't explain, it's important that these two be married tonight. That's quite all right, Doc. Always glad to oblige a friend. Have you got the license and ring, young man? Yes, sir. Here's the license and here's the ring. Good. Now, young man, if you'll take her right hand. That's it. Now, shall I give the long ceremony? Uh, the short one. The short one, please. Just as you say, young lady, this is the shortest one I've got. <clears throat> and do you, Jane Elliot, take this man to be a lawful wedded husband, to love, honor, and obey as long as you both shall live? I do. Do you, Christopher Arnold, take this woman to be a lawful wedded wife, to love, honor, and cherish as long as you both shall live? I... It's she! It's Rana! Oh, Chris, please, it's only a black cat. You mustn't pay any attention to it. Of course not. Now, now it's you... Rana, I tell you. Look at her eyes. I told you she'd try to prevent my marrying Jane. Well, I'll get rid of her for once and for all. Chris, what are you doing with that gun? Put it down. Oh, she got away. Well, wherever she's gone, I'll find her. Chris! Chris, come back! Chris! 
Darling, be. Now, Jane, he can't be far off. We'll find him. Listen. Doctor, that must be Chris firing that gun. Come on. Those shots came from close by. Oh, hurry. Hurry. You better take it easy now, Doc. Uh, it's pretty dark out here. Wait a moment. I'll light my lighter. Doc, look. He did catch. Yes. It was shot through the head. Look, here's another one that's been shot to death. Neither one of them is the black cat. Say, Doc, isn't, isn't any body over there? Chris! Hey, Jane, you stay with the judge while I look. All right, Doctor. There, there, miss. You mustn't cry. But this would never have happened if I hadn't agreed to marry him. He was afraid, so afraid. <laughs> Doc, is it Arnold? Yes, it is. He's dead, isn't he? I can see it in your face. Yes, Jane, he's dead. But, Doc, how could such a thing have happened to him in such a short time? He's been clawed to bits, as if by the claws of hundreds of cats. And most horrible of all, his eyes have been scratched out. Two days later, at Chris Arnold's funeral, a great black cat appeared as if from nowhere, sitting close by the edge of the grave and licking its paws as it watched the coffin lowered into the earth. When they tried to catch it, it leaped away and seemed to vanish and was never seen again. Was it truly Rana, Chris's wife, reborn in the shape of the cat, she had been at heart. The answer is not written here. The tale has been told just as it is recorded in the sealed book. And now, keeper of the book, before you close the great volume, show us the tale we tell next time. This one, yes, an amazing tale. It's the story of a brother and sister who found themselves left out of their aunt's will and who remedied that unfortunate situation by a clever scheme. A scheme which proved to be just a little too clever. It's a tale titled, Death Rings Down the Curtain. (laughs) 
Be sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is produced and directed by Jock McGregor. So what did you think of that one? It was unique. It gives fatal attraction a whole different meaning. Now, our next radio series, I had a difficulty trying to find any information about it. The Haunting Hour ran from March 23rd, 1945 to May 26th, 1946. It was directed by Edwin Wolfe who, along with Max Ehrlich, wrote many of the stories. The radio story tonight is entitled Revenge, and it was first broadcasted on August 11th, 1945. So you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Revenge. stillness of this moment, for this is a time of mystery, a time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is The Haunting Hour. in requiem for a man who has died. How did he die, you ask? Ah, listen to what happened to a girl who knew and whose mind was clouded dark with the fear of knowing. Listen to a tale of murder. It is late afternoon. Lee House is set strangely on a cliff beside the rolling sea. Autumn leaves fall and with them the threads of night. And in a car, parked a little distance from the house at a pillared gate, sits a girl behind the wheel. Beside her stands an old man with sad and beguiling eye. It's a bad night, Miss Anna, to be driving the sea road. I know, Jameson. But I must go, I must. How could I spend another night in that house? What could be keeping him? This young man, Miss Anna... Is he... He's a good driver, Jameson. I'll be perfectly safe. I do hope you will be, ma'am. Listen, you can hear the surf from here. How Mr. Jonathan loved the sea. Jameson, don't. Oh, there's 
rain behind that wind, I bet. Annabelle! Annabelle! It's in my mind. Memory of him. I can still see him. Like that night a few weeks before he died. I mustn't think of it. Not now. Not now. You can't forget me, Annabelle. Even when I'm dead, I'll live in your mind. I'll feed on your fear of my ghost. I'd rather be dead. Jonathan, let me out of this house. Let me go. My dear, you're too lovely for others to see. So I've no choice but to keep you within these walls. Within this prison, you mean? Even that chauffeur is a spy. There isn't a moment of the day when I don't feel a pair of eyes watching everything I do. They even pry into my thoughts. Jonathan. If you have any kindness in your heart... Look here. Here at the window. The ocean is white-capped. Far as you can see. Why do you torture me? How can you hate me so much? I don't, my Annabelle. And this pleading, it's no use. You'll never forget me. I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. Miss Anna... Why are you so pensive? Oh, I... I was thinking. Remembering. Jameson, are you sure you want to be caretaker at Lee House? You won't be lonesome? I wouldn't leave it, Miss Anna. It'd be like leaving my little girl, my... my daughter, Amy. You loved her very much, didn't you? That I did. And the morning we found her, at the bottom of the cliff down there in the cove, was almost more than my heart could bear. But that was long ago. Look. Look there. Reckon that's the young man coming now. Oh, yes, it is. Goodbye, Jameson. You've been a good friend. Thank you for that. Goodbye. Good luck, Miss Anna, wherever you go. Jim. Oh, Jim, I thought you'd never come. Hello, Anna. Sorry. Here, climb in here. Take the wheel. Okay. A few last things to do with the Hendersons. You know how it is. Jim. Jim, hold me close. I was so worried. I was afraid you might think I wasn't coming. And all the time running over that hill, my heart kept pounding, saying, Simpleton Jim Brandt, even late for his elopement. Well, ready to start, Mrs. Brandt? Just you wait and see what a swell honeymoon trip I've got planned for us, Mrs. Brandt. Oh, it's so wonderful. But is it real, Jim? What do you mean, real? Of course it's real. Well, it seems like a, a good dream. After the last three months since he died, I've, I've lived in a nightmare since then. Oh, but it's over now. Over and done with. Jim, don't think me silly, but they don't exist any longer, do they? Hmm? I mean, people who are dead. <laughs> My heavens, no. Except in somebody's mind, maybe. Somebody who was close. A wife or a daughter like you, maybe. Especially a good-looking daughter like you. Yes. I... I want to tell you something, Jim. My, my, don't you sound serious, though. I don't want to be serious. All I want to do is be close beside you. Say, there's a, there's a road somewhere ahead that cuts off about ten miles country road. I'll have to watch for it. Remember the first day we met, Jim? 
That little country road? Mm-hmm. Wasn't far from Lee House. You just walked down that road from the Hendersons, and when I came along, you were poking at some rocks with a long stick, and I couldn't imagine what you were doing. Oh, hey there, young lady. Would you like to see something? See what? Well, come here and find out. A whole nest of them. Down in this crevice in the rocks. Nest of what? Well, come and see. They won't fight you. Oh, no, you tell me. I'd, I'd rather not look. That rattling... That yeah, does give them away. Well, it's a mama snake and, oh, I don't know how many chillin', and the nicest snake house you ever saw. Big fellas, too. Oh. Then you let them alone before they come out. <laughs> oh, they'd be as scared of you as you'd be of them. Well, say, uh, you live around here somewhere? Yes, but uh, I must go now. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. I, I'm Jim Brandt. Architect over at the Henderson's place. Been adding that new wing and rebuilding the stable. I heard about it. Where do you live? At the Lee House. I've been on lots of walks around here, but I've never seen you before. How come? I don't often go out. Say, you must be Mr. Lee's daughter, huh? Or has he got a daughter? I really can't talk with you, Mr. Brandt. I've got to hurry home. Oh. Goodbye. Oh, hey, Miss Lee. Maybe I'll see you around here again sometime. First time we met. Remember? Ah, you know, you were mighty strange that day. I was afraid. Afraid? Afraid of what? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I guess because all the days were so full of him. Like the day he disappeared. What do you mean, Anna? He went sailing alone that day. Then suddenly the squall blew up, the wind and the waves, and nobody ever saw him again. Anna! Yes, Jim? Huh? I didn't hear what you said. I didn't. But you did. You you said my name. <laughs> oh, you were just half asleep, that's all. Hey, what's that? Oh, doggone it, Anna. We got a flat tire. Don't stop, Jim. Don't stop here. We have to. I can't ride the rim. But there's nothing to fix it with, Jim. Let's go on, please. I, I don't care about the tire. Anna, what's the matter? You think I'm going to ruin a perfectly good... Hey, look. There's a little house up there. I'll bet he's got a jack. Hey! Hey, up there! Now, darling, don't look like that. What's the matter? Hello! Sorry to bother you. Have you got a jack I can borrow? Flat tire! Sure. Hey, son. Go get the jack out of the car. Hey, you see, Anna? We'll have it fixed in no time. Oh, darling, don't look peeved. You people headed for the turnpike? Mm-hmm, that's right. You're going the wrong way. Shortcut's back about a mile. Oh, you mean we're past it? Well, well, how do there, ma'am? Didn't see you at first. How'd you do? I don't guess you remember me. I come over and helped your husband's man, Jameson, fix the gardens this spring. Jim. It's too bad he's lost in that squall, Miss Lee. It's a fine gentleman, Mr. Jonathan was. It grieved us all to see your husband go like that. <laughs> Jim, you turn back. You're, you're taking me home. You were Jonathan's wife, Anna. Don't take me back. I didn't lie to you, Jim. I, I was going to tell you. When? After we got married? After... Oh, no, I was going to tell you tonight. That second time I saw you after Jonathan disappeared, you asked my name. Even then you thought I was his daughter and something wouldn't let me say I was his wife. You were so much older, Jim. Nearly 20 years. How long were you married? Four years. Four dreadful years. I never loved him. Anna. I can't help it. He kept me like a prisoner in that gloomy house, watching me every minute. 
Oh, Jim, I, I do love you. Don't take me back. It's all right, Anna. Let's don't get upset. Just be quiet for a few minutes. What's the matter? What are you looking back for? Something's following us. I can feel it, Jim. On this lonely road? You're sorry you ever came. Oh, Anna, stop it. Say you're not sorry. Say you forgive me for deceiving you. I do. I do forgive you. Then everything's all right, Jim. Don't hate oh, me. Oh, Anna, no, no. Let's not talk about it. Not now. Yes. Yes, let's forget. Let's talk of something else. Look, it's... It's beginning to rain. Night's come. Yes. Listen to it on the roof. Seems to be saying your name. There's a poem written about you. Know that? Yes. Pose. I used to know it by heart. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by, by the, the sea. sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know. That's it. By the name of Annabel Lee. And this maid she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. Say, you know it too. Heard it a million times. I know it all, every syllable. Jim, listen. What? It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea. Jim, look. What? What is it? On the road in the lightning. A man in the rain. Anna, it's not anybody. But you don't know. He was in the house from that first day he disappeared. I could hear him even before that. Out at sea, calling my name. Oh, Anna. Anna, you've got to stop this. But, Jim... You're just imagining it, I tell you. You're... Jim, I've got to tell you. I can't go on without telling you the truth. What truth? I killed him. Anna. I killed Jonathan. I killed my husband. What are you saying? Now you know. Now you can take me back to Lee House. You can take me back home. Back to him. <laughs> Jonathan Lee is dead. And our story begins one night a few months later when Anna, a young woman who has lived in seclusion for four years at Lee House, is to be married to Jim Brandt, a young architect. Jameson, the old caretaker, sees her off in the station wagon. And as Anna and Jim drive along, she confesses that she was Jonathan's wife, that she herself murdered him. Her mind is distraught with a terrible fear that the dead man is somehow among the undead. That he is waiting for her. Oh, Anna, Anna, I don't believe you. What are you saying? That I killed him. I planned to kill him. No, no, you couldn't have. I had to tell you. Because Jim, somehow, he's not dead. You said the, the dead only live in somebody's mind. And they do. They also live beyond the mind. Oh, Anna, please. That's why I couldn't wait to tell you. Calmly and sanely in the light of day. Jonathan's waiting somewhere for Listen. me. Now, Anna, listen. Don't you see, Jim? I thought I could run away from him. I thought I could send him out to sea and he'd never come back again. Here, I'm going to stop the car. Oh, no. Jim, please, no. If you loved me, take me on. Tell me why. Why on earth did you do this? I... I had to. Tell me why. That poem you mentioned. You used to say it to me. You used to love it. I'll hear him till I die. His voice droning out the words. Sometimes, Jim, he'd lie awake and I'd hear him whispering it over and over. I could see, mournful and sad. 
When I started working in the village at the library, five years ago that was, used to come in and ask for Bo. At first I thought he was just a lonely old man, lonely because his wife was dead. That day, late in October, he asked me if I'd take the job of cataloging his library. It was right after my mother died. I was alone. He used to come in that big, dark room and ask to help. He used to say, You're working too hard, Annabelle. Come for a sail with me. I went once or twice. He'd look at me with a strange kind of laughter in his eyes. Then he asked me to marry him. He asked me a dozen times. At last I did. And then... Four years in that house with the sea always pounding, the wind crying in the cold. But what did he do, Anna? What could have made you... He was going to kill me, just as he killed the first Mrs. Lee. What? He murdered her? Oh, Jim. I had to do it. From the day I married him, I wasn't allowed out of that house, except when he went along. That afternoon, I met you. He'd gone for a sail, and... I planned to run away. Yes, you, you did have a suitcase, I remember. But when I met you, I was sure you were one of his spies, so I had to go back again. That night, I went to his room. He was sitting in the huge chair by the fire. He looked up and smiled that grim smile. Did you want something, Annabelle? Jonathan... You loved me once. I had pity for you once, if not love. Oh, listen to me, please. But you said it all before, hundreds of times. I couldn't say it enough, Jonathan. Please, please let me go. I'll do anything you say if you'll only let me go. But, my dear, when I met you, didn't my money please your eye? Isn't it enough to have that? It wasn't your money, Jonathan. It was pity for you. Only pity. But I thought it was love. Where is your pity now? No, Annabelle. I couldn't let you go. You'd find pity for another man and grow to believe that you loved him, too. How could I bear such a thing to happen? No. You see, your pity, as you call it, is only for me. Until the day you die. What do you mean? Jonathan, what do you mean? Soon, I'll let you go, Annabelle. Someday soon, you must go for a sail with me. I screamed and ran from him. My mind was sick with terror. What was I to do? The house was like a prison, and everywhere I turned were shadows and gloom, and Jonathan was part of it all. But I had one friend, and he'd come to me when I needed him most. Santa, don't turn on the lights. Jameson, where are you? Here, here beside you. I've been waiting in your room because I had to see you without him knowing it. Oh, Jameson, you've, you've got to help me. I've got to get out of here. No, no, Miss Anna. That's what he wants you to do. And that's why I came to, to stop you from going. Why? He'd follow you. He'd find you. You heard what he said? I've heard it before. The other Mrs. Lee. She begged him to let her go. Time and again she begged him. And one day, she took a boat from the cove. He said... 
She was lost in the sea. Yes, Miss Anna. But Mr. Jonathan followed in a skiff and then... She never came back. He murdered her. Jameson. It's the truth. I believe you are. I do. Then wait and plan. I'll help. But he mustn't know about it. Tomorrow, we'll talk tomorrow. If he goes sailing again. Sailing. You're right, Jameson. I won't run away. I know now what I have to do. I know now what I must do. I made my plan. The next day, he did go sailing. And that was when I caught them. With a little cord noose I made myself. I lay on the rocks for a long time, looking down, waiting till I could get the cord over their heads. Caught what? The rattlesnakes you showed me that day. Yeah. I caught them and took them down to the cove in a box. And that night, I put them in his boat in a coil of rope. I left them there. Oh, Anna, how terrible. The next day, he went sailing again. He didn't see them at first. The motion of the boat and then a sharp sting on his leg. And waiting in the dark, I could picture him. Fighting, drawing back, turning loose of the boom, climbing out of the pit. And the squall came. And he was gone. Oh, Anna, what are we going to do? But I had to, Jim. And it wasn't because of me. I'd only seen you once. I didn't know you weren't somebody he'd hired to watch me till I saw you again and again after he was dead. Oh, Jim. Anna, look out. Hold on. It's a cliff. We're hanging over the edge, Anna. Get out, quick. Here, take my hand. This side, Anna, this side. That was close. Are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. Look, we nearly went over into the sea. Golly, we both have been killed. Jim. Jim. What, Anna? We're, we're back where we started. There's the house and the cliff. What? You brought me back. Anna, you know I didn't. Jim, look. Who is it, Jim? Yonder on the road. I don't know. It's Jonathan. He's walked up from the sea. Oh, let me go, Jim. Let me go. Oh, it's only some man. Anna, come back here. Come back. What's the trouble? Quick, man. Help me stop her. Uh, oh, where'd she go? I'm Jameson. We had an accident, Jameson. She's gotten some crazy notion in her head about a ghost. Look, she's running across the lawn. Down to the sea path. Hurry. Madonna. Madonna. It's me, Jameson. Oh, Jameson. It's you. It's you. Madonna, where were you running to? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my darling. Frightened us nearly to death. It was only me on the road, man. I thought it was. I thought I. She's shivering, sir. Here, here, take my coat, Miss Anna. It's Providence that brought you back tonight. Why, Jameson? There's nothing to say, Jameson. Jim, take me to the house. But when Jonathan sailed away that day, the snakes weren't in the boat. I took them out. You see, he could have heard their rattles. And anyway, sir. I couldn't have Miss Anna do such a thing. James, you mean... I couldn't have her do it, sir, when rightly the job was mine. What you're trying to say... With my daughter Amy, I was thinking of how Mr. Jonathan drove her to love him like she did. And how he would smile at her in that laughing way so that she'd jump from the rocks here down to the sea. And that was why... So, that day, 
Before he went for his last sail, I cut the rigging ropes. And when the wind took the canvas strong as it does when you ride the swells, they snapped. And I stood here on the cliff and watched the boom fly free. And down he went beneath it. Oh, Jim. How could I watch him murder you, Miss Anna? As he'd murdered my Amy. Oh, you're free of it, Anna, now. Don't you see? It was only the fear in your mind. Uh, I've got a fire going in the library, Miss Anna. I'll take her in, Jameson. I'll, I'll go see if, if I can get your car off the cliff. Oh, no, Jameson. Let it alone. We don't care about oh, the car. Oh, but you two can be on your way again when the rain blows over. Come along in, Anna. You're cold now. Here, pull the coat around you. He did it for me, Jim. Are you all right now? Now I am. Jim, look. What's Jameson doing? He's climbing in the car. Stop him, Jim. What? He started the motor. But the car's hanging over the edge of the rocks. Jim, stop him. It's toppling. It's toppling over the cliff. <laughs> See in the cold. He did it all for me. And for me, too, darling. But he's made everything all right, Anna. He's made everything all right. From shadows and stillness. Mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory. In the haunting hour. show for tonight i want to thank you all for listening and remember you can find me on facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970 or you can look me up on instagram at radio show nerd or on twitter at radio show nerd one again this is your host keith aka the radio show nerd signing off